Hello everybody and welcome to the latest edition of the True Potential Do More With Your Money podcast. It's episode 181. We've been going for some time with these podcasts now, one a week and we're still going strong. We've, we've got a an absolute new topic to talk about today. Uh, we're going to be talking all around marriage and divorce. Uh, now, we're not counsellors, we're not experts in that area, but where we are or where I've got the experts with me today is to talk around the financial aspect of both marriage and divorce, some of the things to think about uh, as you, you're going through them. So with me today, I've got Neil Rayner, Head of Morning. Central Advice. Luke, one of our Morning. Head Office Advisors. Morning. And Peter, before I introduce your title, you broke the internet, so I hear from our, our marketing team, you have the highest viewed <laughs> True Potential video ever. Oh. So that's why you're back on today. Okay. Uh, Peter Coward, one of our... Non-executive directors, welcome to Do, do I get repeat piece for those? <laughs> I think we'll, we'll see how today's goes. If, if today's goes well, then you might be, you know, you might have to speak to uh, Daniel Harrison and see if you can start getting some uh, some of the proceeds that we make on these. But we, we've, we've got you three in today really just because you're either in the field or you've talked clients through this type of, you know, path and... Uh, I said to my wife last night, who you all know, Jenny, uh, who's been on this podcast as well before, I said, I'm on the podcast tomorrow and I've been looking up at these stats about, you know, divorce and nearly half of divorces end up, uh, half of marriages end up at divorce and she looked disappointed it was so low. Uh, she, <laughs> she looked across at me. There's, there's my one uh, Peter Bull joke of the day. So, um, look, let, let's just kick into it. Uh, really, you know, what? Just top level, what what kind of things are you, certain you two gents and speaking to clients when, you know, they either are getting married or getting divorced? What's some of the real top top level thinking, gents? Well, I think it's just a, uh, from a client point of view, it's just a realisation that um, from a financial things, things are going to be completely different moving forward. Um, you won't have the support of that person anymore. Um, you'll have different tax allowances to consider, um, you know, and it can affect the 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 products that you're in you know if people have ICES if they have general investment accounts and if they have pensions certainly there's a lot to consider from a not only from a taxation point of view uh, but from a contribution point of view moving forward um, and we don't we don't have many conversations I mean I can't think the last time that I've I've had one with a with a with a person who's recently split um, but certainly I would imagine if it's 50 percent then we'll probably be having a lot more absolutely yeah. oh that's not a big um Point that a lot of people don't know is, is with pensions it, it's actually separate to you well and, and what you need is an expression of wish form which obviously we push for all of our clients and you know a lot of pensions held on platform and for a lot of people it, it's a main source of wealth you see some big size defined contribution pensions and actually what you need to do there is, is fill an expression of wish form out because of the way the pension's held it, it's held in trust it, it's separate from your estate and it's separate from your estate in, in terms of inheritance tax as well and with the expression of wish form, you can leave a percentage to your wife or, or husband or partner. You can leave a percentage to your kids. You can split it however you want it. So it really is flexible. So it's always worth filling in that expression of wish form because a lot of people don't realise that you need to get that done um, to make sure it's left to you, to the yeah. correct beneficiaries. I think it's a good point. And also, you know, with regards to um, certain divorce arrangements, um, you know, there could be things like pension sharing orders uh, where pensions are split down the middle. Um, or there could be um, things like pension offsetting. Uh, when an asset is taken for the value of the pension. So there can be all types of different um, stuff that you have to think about 
and deal with as well. Um, but yeah, getting the expression of wishes or reviewing it upon divorce is really, really important. Yeah, and some of our some of our viewers might be tuning in today, but haven't quite seen last week's where Jamie hosted a really good session all around sort of wills, the importance of them, what they are, why do them, and when to change them. And the the one I didn't realise, and I, 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 a lot of other colleagues I've spoke to didn't realise, but getting married just revokes your will unless there's certain very complex wording in there, Peter. And that's yeah. something that catches a lot of people out, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, so one of the problems is if you don't um, re, re, do a new will in contemplation of marriage, your previous one is is is, in, nil, is invalid. So you have to do a new will either in contemplation of marriage or after you're married in whatever value. When would you advise somebody to do that? Is it right after? Is it within uh, weeks, I, months, I years? I think the best thing to do is to do it before, just in case something disastrous happens on your wedding night. So. Yeah. Oh, dear. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll draw a line through that one. And why, why once you're married, would you say that you need a will? I'll kind of kick that round yeah, so all if, of you, if, really. If you, if you die without a will, um, in this state, without a will if on death that way, you know, it's quite complex in the way that, that you're such a split. So depending on how, how much assets you have, the majority can go to your, your spouse, but also it can be split amongst children. It, it can get quite messy. And actually for a lot of people, it, it's not how they would want their assets to actually be left. So it's always best to do a will, even if it is just purely to say you want it all to go to your spouse and, and then kids and that removes any complexities with solicitors etc on death yeah. it means that your wishes are being followed through to the letter yeah, rather gives than you control of interest yeah. it, it also speed as well if you're particularly relatively wealthy if you intestate then actually it takes a long time to sort the estate out mm-hmm. or at least where there's a will the executor can start dealing with administering the estate and making sure your assets go to whoever you want particularly to your beneficiaries yeah, I think anybody listening, if, if Wills is a, a real interesting topic for yourself, do dial into 180, because that was a, yeah. even for me, I must say, even with Jamie and Daniel on it, it was uh, very, very interesting, that one. And and Neil, we were talking about this before, well, come on, we obviously allow for products that are owned in a sole name, so that's your product, but also we have some products which can be split between yeah, so pensions and ISAs are typically in a single name. Um, if you have a general investment account or a unit trust, um, these can be joint accounts Yeah, uh, and they can share joint tax allowances. Um, but obviously, if that splits, um, then there may, there may be gains arise, as can be, um, but you can use certain exemptions and it depends whether or not you're over the certain limits. Um, which at this moment in time is 6000 per individual or 12000 for joint. Uh, but yes, there are joint investments that you would have to consider um, because you know you may have those and you're using those double exemptions or taking advantage of those depends how much you've got invested of course if you're going to go over those exemptions um, but it would be something that you would have to consider yeah and is that something you speak to clients about yeah all the time um, we have a lot of people who have joint general investment accounts um, and take advantage of, of certain gains within those certain joint gains and certain allowances, I should say. Um, but yeah, that would change obviously upon divorce and it depends, you know, um, when you're going to transfer the money out. Um, so it is wise, obviously, giving us a call if you have any questions around that. <clears throat> and all three of you are chomping at the bit to talk about inheritance tax as well, so I can you know, ring the bell now and let you scrap over that old proven how much you, you know yeah, the I'll, subject. I'll... With inheritance tax, you know, it's been mentioned a lot on the podcast, just to recap on, on what the allowances are and, and why marriage is important. So most people have a, a nil rate band of 325000 So a married couple 
325,000 times two, that's 650. An additional 175,000 each for the main residence, assuming you have children, and, and that's where the main residence is going. So a normal married couple with, with kids will have a million in terms of their inheritance tax brackets. Why marriage is important is so if if you die, your assets go to your spouse and it doesn't trigger an inheritance tax issue. If you die and you're not married, there's an inheritance tax um, liability potentially straight away and then another inheritance tax liability on second death as well. So by having that marriage, it, it removes that first test, that trigger. So it's a, it's a real advantage really and it means you can you know plan for inheritance tax a little bit better, meaning that there's not any uh, tax due until second death. Is that something you've dealt with much, Peter, over there? The, the yes, it, yeah. well, obviously, particularly for wealthy clients, it's very important. Yeah. Marriage is one of the key planning techniques so that you can make, if people are married, then you, you want to make sure that they can leave the estate to their spouse um, without inheritance tax. And, and when you look at the limits, what Luke's just said, and Peter's just alluded to, and you've got, you know, one of the recommendations, you know, you've got a, a million pound potentially IHT cover, but... As we all know, in today's um, world, we have a lot of high property prices. Um, we have a lot of people who have accumulated, um, you know, a lot of wealth in their lifetime as well. So mainly property, which is getting close, a lot closer to that million pound mm. limit. And, and, and a lot of people will have inheritance tax issues. Mm. If we go back to the, the point on pensions, you know, a lot of um, high net worth clients, it's a particular interest, as you mentioned, Peter, before on inheritance tax. But... For me, actually, a pension, it's always been seen as a, a tool for income in retirement. But actually, with, with the removal of the lifetime allowance now, and obviously inheritance tax staying where it is, obviously there might be some discussion on lifetime allowance in the future, but assuming that's gone, the pension can be a, a real tool for inheritance tax planning. You know, you can put more into your pension as you approach retirement. You could take that cash that sits in your estate that would trigger that million pound yeah. trigger and you could put it into your pension, which is completely outside of your estate. For and that's where tax. it gets a little bit complex as well, because if you talk about um, if pensions are... Um, sh- split on divorce you've got um, two main ones really which are sharing orders and offsetting mm. sharing orders will keep it in a pension wrapper which will be um, still outside of your estate for inheritance mm-hmm. tax whereas if you go through the offsetting which is normally offsetting it for an asset um, it's not therefore in the pension now so that could create an inheritance tax issue mm-hmm. yeah it's kind of links us right back to really the role that you you know you two gents play true potential which is advising clients and you know i personally or, or didn't think of a, a milestone in financial advice as marriage and divorce you, you kind of don't think of those things it's mm-hmm. you know accumulation it's decumulation it's retirement it's you know those things and i think that's a great saying you know it, it, it's a key part of planning is is is, is actually getting married and isn't just about you know finding the one you love and settling down and also interestingly Neil when you're talking about you know house prices there was a statistic I found last night the demographics are in an, in an area the more expensive the home the higher the divorce rate quite an interesting one with London being the highest overall mm-hmm. and actually there was also a trend the more northern the lower the divorce rate was, so I don't know what that says for <laughs> for us gentlemen in the room. But there you are. It was quite, quite, quite interesting. You can dig into the stats and find quite a lot out there. So, right. Next one we're going to look at is is really just some of the different implications of you've got marriage, you've got you know cohabiting, you've got civil partnerships. Uh, nowadays, and I mean you know more sort of coming into this side of the century, people living together, not being married, is far more common than it used to be. Uh, it used to be lived with your parents you got married you moved into your new home 
the, the, the day after your wedding or the day of your wedding in some cases. Today, we're in a different world, aren't we? We all find the one we like, maybe not love, and we move in with them because that's the way it works. What What's the difference? What should people be thinking about maybe if they're in that position of not married but cohabiting and, and, and so on? I think from a, a tax point of view, um, that if you're married or in a civil partnership, there's allowances available to you yeah. um, which aren't available to people who are just living together and just just one interesting fact with a little quiz question for you um in income tax last came in in 1803 when it came in um, a wife's income was added to a husband's and taxed on a husband when do you think that was revoked and changed so that a wife was taxed in her own right who are you on about decades well yeah, yeah. nearest decade yeah i'd say 60s 70s. Oh, and 30s. It was actually 1990. Ah, that was close. Until 1990, wow. a wife's income was added to a husband's and taxed on a husband's. So wow. until 1990, that was clearly an in- incorrect position to be, that <laughs> a wife was not taxable in her own right. So in 1990, the legislation was changed. So husband and wife taxed individually. And... Therefore, allowance was given from both an income tax point of view and a capital gains tax point of view to give benefits to yeah. um, husband and wife. Interesting. Very interesting. I think only Luke's excuse because you probably weren't born then, were you? Luke? <laughs> <laughs> Whereas I was just around and Neil, you were certainly around. So yeah. I said I wasn't going to tell any jokes at your expense. I just told one so, slight age when. So on income tax, one. One little allowance, marriage allowance, which is not used very much, um, that if a spouse is not earning, um, they can give 10% of their personal allowance to their other spouse, um, which saves up to £252 a year. So it's 1260 of their personal allowance. Not a great amount, but it is massively underused. Yeah. Even revenue stats on it showing that um, there are non-taxpayers who are not giving up the personal allowance. So not a great amount of money, but it's better in your pocket yeah. than in the revenue. Absolutely. So it is, if, if someone has a spouse who is not earning or not using all their personal allowance, then it is quite a useful little technique and much underused. Yeah. yeah. Look, I'm going to jump back to something you said earlier about, um, you know, beneficiaries and things like that. Yeah. Just as we're talking about cohabiting, is there ever advice you give or when you're talking to clients about setting a non-relative as a beneficiary is that something we see yeah it, it is so look you may be in a position where you may want to say example your pension you might have that might be your significant wealth and with the expression of, of wish forms you can give it to charity you yeah. give it to people who want family and that's how a lot of people want to do things these days nieces nephews if there is no immediate family available mm-hmm. and it, it's really useful that and obviously it's the same with a will you can split your assets and with a personal pension you can give one percent if you want to to someone and you can, you know, make sure that your pensions and, and the assets are left exactly how you want them to be left on death. Yeah, and that's quite important with the new pension rules that come in a couple of years mm-hmm. ago where, you know, pre-75 rules and post-75 rules from a tax point of view and the whole of the fund being given to clients now can be passed down the lines. So it's really important that you get those beneficiaries uh, registered. Yeah. And the last one on marriage is who's going to talk about prenuptial agreements. You're all kind of... Again. I'm not married, so I don't. I wouldn't have one. You wouldn't have one. <laughs> well, Peter, do you? <laughs> no. 
But uh, I, I think a, a prenup is just designed to try and protect someone's assets mm-hmm. on the on the of divorce. But it's a it's a legal issue as to how effective they are and whether and obviously it's it's a personal decision whether you wish to enter into one or not. Yeah, it seems very American. Very it seems to have come over from the mm-hmm. states, like proms and other. I think it was because there was a lot things, of hasn't it, there so. was a lot of famous people who used to get them. A lot of yeah. you yeah. know film stars and stuff like that. How it was glamorised, if if that's the word. Rap but, stars and film stars. Yeah, yeah. Prenups, not not for you, Neil. Not for us. <laughs> Definitely no. not. Hey, if anyone's got any questions, I assume they can get in touch with us. If yeah. if they are, you know, watching today and they're thinking, do I need to do anything about you know a prenuptial agreement or my will or anything like that? What yeah, any of the tax allowances, you know, questions relating to the product. Um, the, the point that we've been talking about and Luke uh, really um, highlighted was, you know, with regards to the beneficiaries of your pension. We have a really easy process now to change that. Mm-hmm. Um, I've changed mine on my pension uh, the other day and it was literally, you know, quite just just a few clicks. Yep. And, you know, the details down to get that registered and give confirmation back. And uh, it's, it's really important that you do that because... Like when Luke was talking about before about, you know, dying in test state or being in test state, then it can have different ramifications for you and your policies um, that you don't realise. Yeah. So any, any client going through a divorce that has these questions, obviously the, mentioned the benefits of, of being married, but obviously when you've been divorced, you lose that inheritance tax. Um, you know, that, that is going to be applicable on death. You're going to lose that marriage allowance if that is in place and, and the inter-spouse um, gift transfer, which is ex- exempt from capital gains. So yeah. look at, like any major change in life, if you're one of our central advice clients, if you're going through a divorce or any other change, then it, it's always worth getting in touch with your advisor to and discuss. I'll, and I would say as well, uh, which is a really good point, um, when a lot of married couples get their financial reviews done, which we normally do every 12 months, we sometimes do a thing called cash flow modelling. And it'll be based on joint expenditure. Well, if you're divorced, that changes. And a lot of the things that we do is um, people who have got divorced want to do a different cash flow model now because their liabilities and their circumstances have changed and their income's changed. Mm. And what they might want to do is do this cash flow modeling, which basically um, looks at their income and expenditure and shows how their retirement path would look like. Um, and that will change, obviously, because, you know, they're, they're no longer with somebody. They might be with somebody else, but certainly for a, an immediate point, um, they might have to think of things individually and how that's going to affect their retirement. Yeah. On divorce, there was a, actually, from a tax point of view, there was a big change this year about tax on divorce because normally if you're married, then you can pass assets to your spouse without capital gains tax, mm-hmm. capital gains tax free. That only applies if you were living together in the tax year. So prior to 2023, if you separated um, and then under you wish to pass assets to your um, spouse um, as part of a divorce agreement, that potentially had capital gains tax because you were no longer living together and because you, you're not in the same tax year. So you actually had to get a court order to avoid capital gains tax, which meant courts were being jammed up with people yeah. um, seeking a court order. From 2023, you now have a period of three years after the date of separation where you can pass assets without capital gains tax. You still can get a court order if you go past the three years, so Mm -hmm. if it takes a long time. Yeah, it's the the year in which you were separated, isn't it? Three years after that. So it's actually quite useful. It means that it gives people time to sort um, their assets out, and particularly if they've got a GIA, um, which actually obviously has inherent gains 
and potentially and having capital gains tax, then that actually gives people time to sort their assets out yeah. and sort the settlement out. And that was a major change in 2023 and is actually a very helpful change because it should stop people having to go for a court order purely to avoid the capital gains tax. Well, again, I was looking last night and one of the statistics was, you know, in a, in a given 12-month period, divorces outstripped marriages, yeah. as in new, you know, mm-hmm. applications. Anyone want to guess the reason why? No. Lockdown. Oh, I couldn't yeah. get married. Yeah. Spent 24-7 with your partner. Yeah. Driving divorce cases through so you can right. get divorced far easier than you can get married through a, a lockdown. So there you go. Um We've talked about updating your will on marriage and, you know, obviously it, it, I, I, I'm going to make an assumption here, but the same applies when you divorce. Yeah. Yeah. So it's important to update your will when you divorce. So the way it works is you actually, your old will still stands, but what it does, it, it removes your ex-spouse from the will. Quite grimly, it actually assumes that they're dead. So what it does is it, it assumes that the the better assets go to the next person that you put on the will so it removes your ex-spouse and when you go for a divorce as I said it's a major life change but actually you might want to change who actually your assets were going to do next so say you had your children down next you might want to give them more you might want to remove other people from the will so it's always really important to update your will and, and understand that it doesn't actually invalidate your old will it just removes your ex-spouse and it continues on on but, to the next beneficiaries but remember and although it's fairly logical you've obviously now no longer got a spouse so you no longer have a spouse exemption. Mm-hmm. So you're automatically into inheritance tax if your if your assets are more Correct. than three two five or yeah. what five hundred if you've got a house. So bizarrely, it actually means looking at your IHT position becomes even more important because you yeah. don't have the slight fallback of being able to rely on a spouse exemption. Yeah. Mm. yeah, good point. Good point. And Neil just talked about protecting your assets and investments. Obviously, when you you know, if, if, if somebody was going through a divorce, what what kind of things should they be doing and thinking about when it comes to, say, products that they own, pensions, investments, and, and general investments? Um, Luke's point, updating your, benef- um, updating your, um, your beneficiaries and your pension. Yep. Um, yeah. You know, that's to ensure that it's going to go to somebody in the event of your death. Um, and, you know, you may not want it to go to uh, your, your ex. Um Realising and having a chat with a financial advisor is really important because we can update you on your changed um, tax allowances. Yeah, um, you might have joint accounts, and now you don't. Um, so there's a lot of questions. Can I transfer my ISA over? Um, transferring an ISA will retain its ISA efficiency, but if you empty that ISA, really importantly, um, if it's you know it's been decided on on divorce that that ISA is going to somebody else and it's emptied, you'll lose your tax efficiency on there. So really important uh, that you speak to to us before you make any decisions regarding your financial products. Yeah, well, I think that's the sort of final note, isn't it, really, is, you know, speak to a financial advisor because what we've not talked about here, I think we've been quite fact of the matter. We've talked about, you know, the, the, the policies and the processes and the rules, but both are very emotional, you know, emotive subjects. So from a, an advice piece, obviously, you know, when you are speaking to clients who've maybe gone through a divorce but it's not been amicable or it's not been you know are they they they're the one being divorced if that makes sense yeah. It, it, yeah. It, it's obviously something you need you need somebody like yourselves not just from a 
you know, a knowledge perspective, but also from that support. Well, also that clients, you know, if they have gone through a messy divorce or, you know, just a divorce, a divorce in general, then, you know, they can be quite vulnerable, which is really important. And yeah. um, we have to make sure that all of our clients are, are looked after, but also recognise that that situation can be very, very difficult for that individual. Mm. And marriage, I think that in reverse, everyone's, you know, full of the joys of life and they're maybe overly emotional the other way and they forget to do things you know you, yeah. you I think most of us know you know trying to get a new passport new driving license all you know changing your name etc is one thing but making sure you do the the basics of getting your, your affairs in places well important. I think when we were talking on the podcast last week we were talking beforehand and a big misconception is or a big attitude towards getting a will written was oh I, I'm too young you know and, it, and yeah. some things happen in life that you're not expecting so Really important one that you address it. Really important that you speak to a financial advisor and, you know, give us a call if, you, if you're in that situation. Absolutely. Gents, I'm going to bring back an old staple on the podcast. We've got a couple of minutes to spare because you've rattled through everything I had to pitch at you today. So what what does the weekend look like for yourselves? Quiet weekend for me, Greg, um, unfortunately. So very boring. As you know, I've, I've taken up boxing recently, which I'm telling everyone about. So now everyone on, on YouTube knows. So maybe a little bit of, of training. I know you're, you're doing running soon. You're doing the, the Great North I've Run. I've got the Great North Run. So I've, I've, I've stolen your weekend I've, fact. Of I've, what I've, 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 I've done three trial runs, so I'm nowhere near ready. So no, I'll be going to watch my beloved Newcastle United <laughs> tomorrow. So they're away at Manchester City. You're going to run there? No. <laughs> <laughs> I'll run to the train station and get the train. <laughs> Uh, Neil, what you up to? Again, I'll have a quiet one because, as you know, last weekend uh, we had a very, if the word is messy, yeah. uh, then we had a very uh, full-on weekend. Um, so I'm going to get my body back to normal. Yeah. And uh, I have a flat tyre on my mountain bike, so I'm going to change that, get out on my bike, do some exercise, um, and also watch the late kickoff um, down at the Etihad. So that'll be my weekend. And Peter? Oh, well, I'm actually, when talking about families, I'm going to my granddaughter's christening. So, Lovely. Oh, nice. so that'll be very nice. Well, I think you win there. We've all got <laughs> boring football and mountain biking and you've got a lovely weekend ahead of you. So, gents, thank you as ever. You know, I'm, I'm very, very sure uh, everybody listening today will have, will have found that very, very interesting, very educational. I know I did. So thank you very much for that. Uh, to all of our listeners and viewers, thank you very much for staying the course. Uh, as usual, please do remember to like and subscribe. Uh, thank you very much.